Hi, this is uh, Jim Barton, welcoming you to another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch, and I am here today with... Reverend Abigail Connolly. And today, we are going to talk about the story of Elijah. This sort of continues on from our series. You'll know we've discussed so far specifically Moses and David, um, and now we're ready to move on to Elijah. So I'm going to start by putting Elijah in some sort of historical context. Um, Elijah is a prophet to the kingdom, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. And what that tells you is the Davidic uh, kingdom, which we did say the, the family of David, we feel pretty confident, is a historical group, um, initially ruled all over all of Israel, which included uh, Judah, that's like uh, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and that sort of thing, as well as Israel, which is the northern part of the kingdom. What's some good northern cities? Shiloh. That's a big one. Shiloh, I think the, Co- the Ark of the Covenant was there for a while, so let's, we'll leave it there. So the northern cities, um, Galilee's in the north. That's another big deal thing. Anyway, so we had two, two kingdoms. What happened was Solomon was a good king. David was a good king. Solomon was a good king. And then uh, the children of Solomon couldn't keep the kingdom together, and so it split in half, and you had a northern kingdom. Um, sometimes referred to as Ephraim, which is one of the tribes that was in the northern kingdom. Later, they were going to refer to it as that. So in any case, so we broke up into two parts. The character we're going to talk about is Elijah, who is in the northern kingdom and is um, causing trouble, which is what prophets are supposed to do, and he's specifically causing trouble for King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, who gets a pretty bad rap in society in general, mostly for makeup, I think. I don't know. Other things, too. And uh, so anyway, so um, with that, I'm going to hand it over to Abby to tell us uh, some of her favorite uh, Elijah stories. So Elijah gets called as a prophet, and um, his main goal is to take on King Ahab. And as you can guess, taking on a king usually ends up pretty badly for the person who tries to do that. So Elijah, who is a Tishbite, one of the only Tishbites mentioned, um, challenges Ahab several times. And there's then in the middle of this a succession of pretty popular stories that I really like. So Elijah has ticked off Ahab, and as a result, he has to flee. Because what do you do when you take off the king? You go hide out in the desert somewhere. And so... God tells him, yes, you know, prophesy this drought is coming, and then you run to this place. So after he prophesies the drought, ticks off the king again, he runs to a wadi, which is essentially a small stream, um, we might say an oasis here. And so he has water there to drink, and then God sends ravens, not for him to eat, but ravens that actually carry him food from some other place. And I kind of wonder if there's a story somewhere else of who exactly was providing the ravens with food, but we don't get that in the biblical account anyway. So that goes on for quite a while. The ravens come and feed him every morning, every night. He just gets to sit in the desert and pray, you know, probably go a little crazy, those sorts of things. And then the water dries up, so he can't stay there. Well, that results in him going to um, a city called Zarephath. And there he finds a widow who is living with her son. And by this time, the drought has caused a famine that they are about to starve. And so she has a little bit of oil and a little bit of water or a little bit of wheat um, meal. And she's going to make them some food and then eat and lay down to die. So Elijah says, no, you should make me some bread first and then feed yourselves. 
And for some crazy reason, she listens to him. And she feeds him. And so they end up with this oil and, I should have said, flour for the duration of the drought and famine. And they're both able to live through that. Both the widow, her son, and Elijah himself. They're in this place called Zarephath. So, so far, pretty sweet miracles. Right. Although drought is a big deal. Right. My dad was a minister, and um, I once told him when the people in the congregation were misbehaving that he should take credit for the drought they were experiencing and said that as soon as they quit being jackasses, <laughs> then he would make it rain again, but he didn't, he didn't take my advice. I, I think he was probably older and wiser at that point. Well, he was younger than I am now, but he was older than me at the time, yes. So, but then we got... That's kind of, but it's like basically water. You have little birds bringing you food. Right. And, then and it's you, reminiscent of the Exodus right. story. Yes. Let's be clear, God is still present in this. Yes. And then as he goes over to this woman, there's the story of God's provision. Um, then, as this thing goes on, the woman's son dies. And so Elijah is able to resuscitate him, giving him back to his mother. And, of course, in this culture... That means giving her back financial security. Because yeah. although he's a child now, he'll grow up, she'll become part of his household, and he'll provide for her. He doesn't resurrect him. Right. And I although care a lot about the internet. Yeah, yeah. The internets will sometimes say, resurrect. I noticed when right. I was searching the miracles, yeah. it does that. But that's wrong. Right. Like lots of things on the internet. Right. There are many, yes, many good things, many bad things. So, no, he resuscitates him. So essentially he returns him to life. And when we talk about resurrection, we mean... A significant change. Who Jesus was before resurrection and after are two similar but very different things at the same time. Whereas, you know, when you are resuscitated, you go on to live and die again. Right. Um, and so there's no story of the widow's son um, wandering around indefinitely. So that sets us all up for the really big Elijah story, which is the fact that in the meantime here is when Ahab marries Jezebel. And Jezebel's really a problem because she follows a different god. And this is the god called Baal. And um, lightning god, he is usually pictured with a lightning bolt in his hand, think Zeus, those sorts. And so definitely the like, is Yahweh the real god or is Baal the real god? And so... Um, Elijah, and maybe some competing from old religion, right? Like, right. It, 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 you know, we, the Yahwist won. Right, so they write Baal is always the evil storm god. Right, our god seems to have a lot of storm godly stuff too. Right, that's the true god. But the fact is, there probably was a pretty genuine competition between these two, and maybe even some people thought they were the same. Right, and you have people who all share some of the same stories, living in about the same area, using two different names. Yeah, I mean that's part of the reality of that. So then there's a big show off when. Um, Elijah goes back to where Ahab is. And so he essentially challenges the followers of Baal to a contest. Let's build two giant altars. This is in the middle of a drought, so which God is going to answer our prayers? Let's both sacrifice an animal put on top and then call upon the gods to light the altar on fire. So the gods of Baal, or the people who follow Baal say, oh, of course, totally do that. So they get naked, they dance around, they cut themselves. This is not a religious ceremony that I want to witness nowadays, <laughs> personally. And guess what? Nothing happens. Right. And nothing happens. So then Elijah says, I want you to pour water on top of all of this. And water that is obviously scarce in the middle of a drought, 
but he says do that and wet the altar. In fact, make it so that there's essentially a moat around this altar. Well, he prays, and God not only sends fire down to burn up the sacrifice, but it burns so hot that it even licks up the water around the altar. So you get this very nice flip-off, essentially, to Baal and his followers when Yahweh is shown to be the true God. In this yeah, scene. and he doesn't end with just the altar. Right. Right, because he takes care of the the prophets of Baal also. Right, yeah, they, they kind of die too. Okay. Yeah. We don't usually talk about that. But I mean, that's a... <laughs> right. It's a pretty integral part of the story, right? Like, right. they don't get to live. <laughs> yeah, they don't get to live. Eventually, the city of Ahab is destroyed and yeah. Jezebel is killed and as people try to flee and is eaten by dogs. Right. So, there's a whole bunch of this doesn't end well if you follow Baal. Yeah. So. And then I guess the last thing we should say about uh, Elijah is that Elijah doesn't die. Right. Elijah is taken up to heaven in a chariot. Yes. Is it a chariot of fire or is, it, is that just from the song? No, it's a chariot of fire, um, essentially pulled by horses. And so he has recruited Elisha um, to follow him. And Elisha says, I want a double portion of your spirit. And he says, yeah, if you see me when I go into heaven, you can have it. And so his cloak falls to the ground and Elisha picks it up and excuse me, carries on his ministry, essentially, um, with... Not quite as cool of miracles as Elijah had. But, but twice as many. Right. So, okay, so that's the story of, uh, of Elijah. Um, we talked a little bit before about the where it fits in the history of the people. Um, was there a historical Elijah? Who knows? Um, there's definitely some of these events are historic. There probably was a King Ahab. There were some of these people around. Um, Elijah could be the figure made to talk about Israel's opposition to Baal. There could have been a prophet Elijah, who really knows at that point in time. And the idea of the prophets there is that they speak truth to power. I mean, that's the job of the prophets, and it was dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then we sort of have the story about this miraculous God's presence there. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to talk a little bit about Elijah's seats? I think we were saying before that often, even in modern, um, some modern uh, Jewish traditions, that you have a seat for Elijah. Right, and those are often present at various rituals, especially circumcision, Passover, some traditions um, on the Sabbath. And they look different of how Elijah's presence might be anticipated. But clearly, um, part of being... All right, so we're coming back after a little technical difficulty there. I pushed the wrong button. But uh, we were talking about what Elijah meant to the Israelites first, mm-hmm. and, and really actually what, what Elijah means to modern... Um, practitioners of Judaism, and we're saying how there's a the seat is open at, at like certain rituals because Elijah can be there at any time. Right. Um, part of the reality of being assumed into heaven means that you can show up either real, physically walking around, or at least a spiritual presence. So at Sabbath meals and some traditions, um, at circumcisions, at some of those the high holiday holy days, there's a place set aside. And, you know, we get that story as Christians because when Jesus shows up um, performing miracles, not unlike Elijah, people think, oh, has Elijah shown up again? Is this person um, back among us? Because that's what we would recognize. And as modern Christians, there's a similar idea that Jesus, who ascended and who never died, could mm-hmm. is always among us, could always be among us, could right. be among us at any time. Right. Right. Um, 
And I think it's um, one, another thing that I think that uh, Elijah does that's interesting is just sort of keeping us on pace with where these Old Testament stories are, because I think we know many people know the really old story, the floods and the the, the myths. Right. And then once we sort of switch over to saga, you know, it gets a little more spotty. Mm-hmm. So we basically talked about Moses, who got us out of the, who um, takes us out of Egypt, and then we've got David, who's got the the kingdom, and now we're into sort of. Kind of as the kings go a little, run a little hot and cold. Right. So. And kings will come and go because, of course, part of the story of kings is you should have been following God along anyway. Right. Okay. Well, that's a good little uh, ending. And one of the things we'll get to see technologically is if I can figure out how to splice these together. Woo-hoo. Or I'll also have two little ones. Okay. All right. So um, this has uh, been Bloody Mary Bible Branch. Until next time, cheers.